I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou, back in London, back in the UK, and I came just in time for Arsenal's victory over Crystal Palace. Bit of apprehension going into this game because of what happened on Thursday night, I think, because of the fact that we were going to be without William Saliba, but Arsenal responded brilliantly in the best possible way with a rousing victory over a Crystal Palace side who you worried may just have a little bit extra in the tank because of the fact that they're all trying to impress the caretaker manager and that there is a new manager uh, coming in very, very soon. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Ten games to go. That's the position we find ourselves in. Eight points clear going into the international break, which is obviously massive. But, of course, Manchester City have that game in hand. So, yeah, we. I mean, if you'd have told me we were in this position or we'd be in this position at the start of the year, at the start of the season, I beg your pardon, I'd have laughed at you, like genuinely laughed at you. I'd have said, that is nonsense. You're talking out of your backside. There's no way that this Arsenal side are going to make that much progress. To go from a side that narrowly missed out on the top four but were largely inconsistent throughout the season um, to a side that were going to be able to fend off Manchester City up until this point. I just never believed it would happen. And that's why, you know, when people sit there and, and sort of overreact to individual results and sort of almost fail to look at the overall picture when it comes to where Arsenal are, the progress that's been made this season, I get a little bit frustrated. Um, you can be upset and disappointed about individual results. I'll admit I was really disappointed by what happened against Sporting. And one of the questions I've been asked probably a million and one times over the last few days is, is that, was that, Arsenal's exit from the Europa League I'm talking about, was it a blessing in disguise? And the truth is, we won't really know the answer to that question until the end of the season. So I'll hold fire on answering it. Lots of you in the live chat with me right now. So I want to say a few hellos before we dive into the content itself. Big hello to Temi, uh, to Creambone, to Nav, to Guna Deja Vu. Henry says, good evening, H. You know, when we got over there today, we were saying this could be a banana skin. We knew that they didn't lose by many. City got a late pen against them, etc. But this team, time and time again, is top draw. Uh, Tom says... Good afternoon, Harry and chat. Eight points clear. Your move, City. Exactly that. Good evening if you're in the UK, by the way, because if you're watching us live, it is evening here. Um, good to see uh, Shabihi Bo in the chat. Nitin is with us as well. Tim uh, says, amazing performance today, but another goal conceded from a corner feels all too often. I agree with that, but we'll come on to that in a little bit. Uh, Baguma says, I was planning uh, a walk with my madam thinking Harry would join later um, when I'm back. But obviously the notification came and I had to tell her I felt some pain in my foot. Now here I am waiting. Thank you, man. Uh, big hello to Jay uh, Davey. Uh, we've got Roger with us. Mohammed is there. James Dean joins us um, from uh, New Zealand. Uh, lots of you referencing the fact that I haven't had much sleep over the last few days. 
across the pond, sports talk, dominant, boom, uh, Saka, Saka and Odegaard and Benny Blanco, brilliant. Yep, indeed. Uh, who else have we got in the chat? Um, Alex, we've got Adair, we've got Simranjit, we've got Mike in Perth. Oh man, so many of you, it's amazing. We've got Craig from Fort Lauderdale, we've got Bishop John. Yeah, amazing to see uh, so many of you in the chat. Lots of questions coming through as well with regards to Rob Holding, etc., etc. We're going to get into all of that on this edition of the show. But um I'll give you a little bit of a teaser now because we've got something very special to do in this show. Many of you would have come across Arsenal legend David Seaman's podcast. It's called Seaman Says. It's hosted by the brilliant Lindsay Hooper. David Seaman, obviously, the main event, the main attraction. Uh, but also, um, Ray Parler is getting involved as well. And what's he getting involved in? Well, there's a special live edition of the Seaman Says podcast coming up in London at the Clapham Grand on Monday, the 24th of April, 2023. Now, the reason I'm telling you about this is because we are going to be giving away two tickets to this event. The good people over at Seaman says, um, you'll remember that David came on our podcast a little while ago uh, to sort of promo the podcast, but also to kind of chat all things Arsenal with us. It was a pretty cool show. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, the good people over at the Seaman says podcast have given us a couple of tickets to give away uh, to a lucky listener. So I'll let you know a little bit later on in the show what you need to do in order to enter that competition. And then we will pick uh, a winner uh, tomorrow at random and we will announce that on social media. So uh, make sure you're listening until the end. Make sure you get involved in that because I'm sure it'll be a great night. David Seaman live on stage along with Ray Parler as a special guest. Okay, let's do it then. So um, as I said, there was a little bit of apprehension probably going into this game because the mood uh, was a little bit down after Thursday. I was down. I had a few of you uh, message me saying that I was particularly grumpy um, sort of following the sporting game. I guess when I eventually got around to doing the post-sporting podcast, I was grumpy. I was tired. I hadn't slept. Maybe that played a little bit into my thinking, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed by the way that panned out the way it all happened. And as I said to you guys at the time, it wasn't just the result. It wasn't just the fact that we were out of the competition. It was the whole combination of things. So the injury to Saliba, the injury that appears to be serious with Tommy Asu, who may not play again this season, we're hearing. Um, the fact that we had to play 120 minutes. The fact that, um, you know, we weren't able to rest a number of players that we were hoping uh, to give a breather to. So, um, yeah, it was um, it was a really disappointing night. And you look at the quick turnaround Thursday to Sunday, you know, we've seen the issues that that can cause in the past. We've seen um, that you can start games just a little bit sluggish, you know, after sort of a, a midweek outing, especially one on Thursday, especially one that was so taxing physically, but also one that was taxing mentally. Never easy to lose on a penalty shootout, especially at home. I wondered how Gabriel Martinelli was going to respond, but we got the perfect response from Arsenal today. 
Rob Holding obviously came into the team. I guess this is a good place to start. Rob Holding came in to replace William Saliba. Trossard played through the middle. Gabriel Jesus on the substitutes bench. The rest of the team was as you'd expect. And Rob Holding's inclusion was a concern for me because we can all agree that Rob Holding is nowhere near the level of Saliba. We can all agree that Rob Holding is limited when it comes to playing the ball out from the back. We can agree that he's limited in terms of his pace. And we can agree that one of the big reasons Arsenal have progressed forward it's not specifically aimed at Rob Holding this, but it's because we've been able to move past the likes of Rob Holding. Players that over the course of a number of years showed us that, yeah, they could do a job from time to time, but they couldn't hit um, the level of consistency required to be an elite team and to, to take us onto a new level. And so, yeah, you know, Saliba and Gabriel has been one hell of a pairing. The other option that Mikel Arteta would have considered had Takahiro Tomiyasu not picked up an injury was uh, the idea of tucking Ben White back inside. Obviously, a centre-back by trade, played there for a large portion of his career, proved alongside Gabriel last season that they could form a really good partnership. And you might have put Tomiyasu in at right-back. You might have even, um, had he not gone out on loan, put Cedric Suarez in at right-back and shoved uh, Ben White inside. There were options or, or there were things that, we might have done had the circumstances be a bit been a bit different to cope with the absence of William Saliba, but we didn't really have too many alternatives in reality. Because, as I say, yes, Jakub Kivior, centre back, signed, uh, of course, in the January window, but he's left sided. That would have put Mikel Arteta off, I'm sure. Kieran Tierney has played at centre half before, probably could do a job there, particularly in a fixture like this, but again, left sided. That would put Mikel Arteta off. And so the only real solution, the only real option was Rob Holding. But I wasn't worried about Rob Holding the defender. I wasn't worried about Rob Holding winning his aerial duels, which he did fantastically well tonight. I wasn't worried about Rob Holding in a slide tackle or Rob Holding's defensive instincts. I was worried about Rob Holding's ability to play out from the back and therefore the impact that that would have on our game model. I was worried about his lack of pace because obviously Arsenal like to play with a high line. So it was more about how Rob Holding was going to impact our style for me going into this game than it was about, um, you know, some of Rob Holding's individual attributes. Now, what I will say, credit where credit's due, Rob Holding came in today and I thought did really well. Now, that's not to say that I want to see him in the, the back uh, in the back line going up to Anfield or to the Etihad or to Newcastle. I wouldn't trust him in a game uh, against a high-caliber opponent because I think those limitations would normally be exposed. But in a game like today, um, you know, you wondered if we could get through it with Rob Holding at centre-back, and we did. And not only did he get through the game, Rob Holding, I thought he had a really, really good game. And if you're interested in my player ratings, I break it down uh, for each of the individuals involved today, uh, then make sure you go over to the Another Slice platform. The link is in the description Log in, create your account uh, and subscribe to the Chronicles of Aguna for our paid content. You get player ratings after every Premier League match. Um, and uh, we dropped that a little bit earlier on this evening. So uh, do check that out. But I thought, as I say, aerially, he was incredibly good. Um, I thought 
the kind of crowd's response to him was really nice and really refreshing. And I think that helped him as well in terms of building his confidence. Rob Holding's not played a lot of football this season. He's been brought on from time to time, right at the death of games, as someone, um, you know, to to shut the game out as an additional centre-half, as a third centre-half, to sit in between Saliba and Gabriel and deal with the often aerial onslaughts that you're going to face when teams are desperate to score a goal in the latter stages of a game. This was different, though. You know, this was different. Um, he had to play from the start. He had to be involved in the build-up. He had to be wary of Crystal Palace's threat on the counter-attack. And there were a few moments in the first half in particular where I thought Arsenal really struggled um, on the transition. And that brings me on nicely to Aaron Ramsdale, who, again, made a couple of really big, vital saves. Now, we talk a lot about the goal-scoring prowess of this Arsenal side, the fact that we're going out there and we're able to find the back of the net with regularity and the fact that the football's exciting, all of those things. But over the past few weeks, during this six-game winning run that Arsenal uh, are on at the moment in the Premier League, I think that's right off the top of my head, um, there have been five or six big moments in which Aaron Ramsdale has made huge saves, saves that could, or, or saves that denied goals that could have potentially turned events that could have potentially swung the pendulum in a totally different way. So you have to give Aaron Ramsdale immense credit uh, for the performances that he's put in um, recently. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes he overcomplicates things when he's got the ball at his feet. Sometimes he tries the blockbuster pass. Sometimes he gets himself in hot water, but he only plays that way because he's instructed to do so. The benefits of Ramsdale's style, you know, his um, his starting position, the fact that he's always uh, ready to kind of pounce from the edge of the box. OK, he got caught out on Thursday because of that. But the benefits of Aaron Ramsdale being in that team and his style of play really outweigh the negatives. And, you know, some of those saves have just been unbelievable. The one-on-one save today from Edouard in the first half was superb. He had a little bit of fortune in the first half when Zaha's uh, shot came off of the post and then hit the back of Ramsdale's leg, I think it was, which just put the, the angle on the ball to take it wide. I mean, at that point, I thought, yeah, hopefully this is going to be our day after something like that. But you make your own luck, don't you? You earn your own luck. And Aaron Ramsdale um, has been a bit fortunate in certain instances, but he's had such a huge impact such a huge impact in terms of how we distribute, in terms of our ability to use him as an option to play back, in terms of some of the match-winning saves he makes. He's just been a revelation of late, and I'm I'm delighted um, to see Aaron Ramsdale um, continuing to, to progress, etc., um, etc. Et so, yeah, um, good stuff. Really, really good stuff uh, when it comes to Aaron Ramsdale. And, uh, and Rob Holding today, but I accept that, you know, that's not really sustainable um, in terms of having you at centre-back in some of the bigger games. We will struggle and we're going to need to be um, working to get William Saliba back uh, ASAP. Uh, Creambone on Saliba says Ramsdale, on Saliba, on Ramsdale, obviously, because he says Ramsdale has to be in the top three keepers in the Prem possibly number one for his age across Europe. 
Uh, Raphael is with us. He says, watching from Singapore at 3 a.m. Wow. Uh, missed the game against Palace. We'll catch up on the match later today. Uh, another great analysis, Harry. Thank you so, so much. So we've talked holding. We've talked Ramsdale. Let's talk Gabriel Martinelli because he was the man that missed the penalty against Sporting the other night. And, you know, he, he's he been incredible all season. His confidence levels have been sky high. I think if I had one criticism of Gabriel Martinelli from time to time, it's probably that in certain moments he lacks composure. Um, he doesn't think things through, maybe. He is a little bit rash in his decision-making. And that's me being hypercritical, right? I don't want to slag off Martinelli because there's nothing to slag him off for. He's having an incredible season. I told you guys, uh, for those of you that were listening to the podcast a number of years ago, that when he came in and when I got my first sort of few glimpses of him, I don't think I'd felt as excited about a young player at Arsenal since Cesc Fabregas. And that's saying something because Cesc Fabregas was a wonderful, wonderful player. Then Martinelli had the injury, the major injury, had a, a few dips in form. And I wasn't sure if he was going to go on and fulfill that potential. But this season, he has been off the charts. And today, um, even after playing as many minutes as he did in midweek in Europe, he was energetic. He was um, driving down that left-hand side. There were a couple of occasions in the first half where he carried the ball the entire length of the pitch down that left-hand side and set us off on moves. Um, he constantly tracked back to help Alexander Zinchenko and then Kieran Tierney when he came on at left back. And I thought, um, you know, his game today was fantastic. But more than any of those things that I've already mentioned, he gets probably the most important goal, definitely the most important goal of the afternoon. Teams come to your place, they sit back, they set up with a low block. Their intention is to stay in the game for as long as possible. And the longer they do that, the longer they shut you out. And the truth is we hadn't created too, too much before the first goal. We we started to create after the first goal. We started to create with a lot more regularity. I'm not saying we created nothing prior to the goal, but it certainly wasn't as regular as it was after the, the floodgates opened, shall we say. Um, but yeah, as I say, when you come up against a side that come there, low block, sit back, um, want to defend want to make life difficult for you, are probably a little bit low on confidence. The longer they hold out, the longer they keep you at bay and the longer they're in the game, the more that belief within them begins to grow and the more dangerous opponent they become because somebody like Crystal Palace haven't won in a long time, haven't won all year, not saying that they were ever really in contention to win the game uh, tonight. That certainly... Uh, or today, sorry, that wasn't the case. But, you know, what I will say is that, you know, that was an opportunity for them to build some confidence. You know, they 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 defended pretty well at the beginning. They offered a bit of a threat on the break and you wondered if it was going to be one of those days. So, as I say, the first goal is huge in a situation like that. Massive, absolutely massive. And for Martinelli to take that ball on the way he did, not really think about it too much, which kind of counteracts what I said about him maybe not being uh, a bit, not being a thinker in some of those situations. But it just pure instinct kicked in and he took the ball to his left, uh, created the half a yard for the shot. 
and drove it back across the goal to beat the keeper into the far post. And from that moment on, Arsenal felt pretty comfortable. The, the game felt pretty comfortable. And, you know, it's really important, I think, that when you play against sides that do set up in that manner, that you get that goal sooner rather than later, that you break the deadlock sooner rather than later, and that you, I always say this, you guys will probably have heard me say this a few times, you you basically double down on what will be their insecurities. You know, Crystal Palace, having gone a goal behind, knowing that they've had a real issue scoring goals, will take a massive dent to their confidence if you go and get that goal at the time we did. We got it just shy of the half hour mark, I think. And the second goal came, what, a couple of minutes before half time. So you you take a team, they've set up, they've come here, they've only got one thing in their mind. It's about staying in the game. They've got a game plan. They're going to work extremely hard to execute that game plan. You essentially rip that game plan up. And then, as I say, you play on the... Um, you know, on the insecurity that a team like Crystal Palace will have because of their lack of um, uh, of firepower and because of their inability to score goals. Add to that that they missed a couple of really good opportunities prior to Martinelli's goal. You felt like the goal that the Brazilian scored dealt them a huge psychological blow and set us on our way. And then the second goal, uh, of course, uh, comes on 43 minutes. Bukayo Saka with a good finish. But the standout, part or piece of this goal was Ben White's pass. Now, um, if you want to check out my player ratings, you can uh, via the link below on another slice. But I described Ben White without giving too much away. Ben White's performance today as the perfect fullback performance because he defended impeccably well when he had to. Wilfred Zahar, who was operating from that left-hand side, didn't have a sniff going forward. Apart from that one effort that he had, which struck the post. I think Ramsdale might have got a slight touch on that as well. Um, but other than that, he was largely ineffective. But also, Ben White contributed to being that extra man, the spare man, the overload, as we say, in the attacking situations. His pass into Bukayo Saka for that goal was sensational. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen, there's a, there's a video, there's a clip going around uh, on social media. It's been going around for a little while now, probably a couple of years, of Mikel Arteta giving like a kind of coaching seminar. And he talks about the movement that he thinks wingers should make and how what he sees in his mind is a little bit unorthodox in that they're not pulling wider. They're making uh, an angled run in field and that the defender or the fullback who is seeking to pick them out should play the pass at a slightly unconventional angle because it will throw off defenders. It's not an an angle that a defender, when he sets his body up uh, to defend, naturally looks to protect. And maybe over time that will change as people use this particular method more and more frequently. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you go back and watch that video and you see the angle of the pass and the angle of Bukayo Saka's run, you will see that it is very much something that has been worked on and it is very much something um, that uh, that Bukayo Saka has taken on because of Mikel Arteta and obviously Ben White's taken it on 
because he plays the pass and executes the pass in exactly that way. So, yeah, really, really interesting stuff and great to see that, uh, of course, uh, unfolding. And then, of course, after the break, the Gunners came out uh, and added a third, just 10 minutes into the second half, through Granite Xhaka. Leandro Trossard played a, a big part in this goal. Um, didn't think he had his best game today, Leandro Trossard, but obviously he got an assist, so he still had an impact. And then we were able later on to give Gabby Jesus uh, some minutes as he continues his recovery uh, towards full fitness and uh, continues on his path uh, towards uh, getting back up front for us uh, regularly for the 90 week in, week out and influencing and impacting games. Um, but yeah, the pass uh, for um, Tross, uh, for Xhaka played by Trossard into the box at Granite Xhaka went angle against him he knew that he had to kind of dink it over the goalkeeper who was clearly going to come down and smother and the defender I thought actually fouled Granite Xhaka but on the stretch as he went down he was able to just make sure he got something on it which just lifted it over the goalkeeper and it dropped just inside the near post which was obviously uh, fantastic uh, to see and he ran away doing the celebration again uh, the celebration that is of course uh, aimed at his daughter contrary to what Sporting Lisbon uh, thought it was about. It wasn't uh, anything aimed at them. I'm not sure why um, Pedro Gonzalez took it personally, clearly, because he then responded by celebrating that way after scoring probably the goal of his life. But anyway, uh, Granit Xhaka, one of the interesting things about Granit Xhaka, I've probably said this to you before, I sit in the corner um at Emirates Stadium oh and by the way I was back in the North Bank today I wasn't working I was literally there as a fan and I loved being back as a fan uh without any responsibilities turned up to the game had a couple of drinks watched the game enjoyed it um and after the game I got to leave and uh didn't have to do all the other bits and pieces didn't have to submit any work I was there uh ready and waiting for the full-time whistle uh, to head back to the car, get home and bring you this podcast. Hence why I'm able to do it tonight. But one of the interesting things about Granite Xhaka, and as I say, I may have told this before, so bear with me if I have. Where I sit in the corner of the North Bank, so block six of Emirates Stadium, just above us and behind us is the box in which Granite Xhaka's wife and kids uh, regularly sit to watch him and to watch the team. And very often when Granit Xhaka scores a goal for Arsenal or, you know, has something to celebrate, he'll sort of look towards that corner and he'll put his arm up and he'll wave and he, he did the celebration today. Um, and, and the fans in that corner respond as if Granit Xhaka is like paying tribute to them. But the truth is he's not. Um, Granit Xhaka is, um, you know, sending a message to his wife, to his kids uh, who are up sat there behind us. But it just never ceases to amaze me that every time I go to a game and he does something, scores a goal or has a moment or at the full-time whistle and makes his way over to that corner, people around me are saying, oh, look at Granite. Look at the bond he's got with the fans again. Look at the relationship he's built back up with the fans after what happened. It's it, it's funny. It, it's, it's funny because Granite Xhaka has his eyes fixed on that box. That is what he's doing. Now, it's not to knock him or criticise him, why wouldn't he um, sort of uh, wave or, or give a gesture to his biggest supporters? You know, his wife just 
based on what you can see from Instagram, is clearly a big supporter of the work that Granit Xhaka does. Mikel Arteta talked about him in the post-match press conference today, said that he told him that he was going to score today. Uh, a fixture, of course, of significance to Granit Xhaka because of what happened in that game at home. Um, and, you know, a few years ago, where it looked like his Arsenal career was over. So that was the third goal. And at that point, you're thinking, happy days, comfortable. Let's make a few changes. Mikel Arteta prepared to make a couple of changes. Uh, Gabriel Jesus and Kieran Tierney were stripped and ready uh, at that point to come on. But Crystal Palace pulled the goal back on 63 minutes through Jeffrey Schlupp. Now, there was a VAR check on it. There was a suspicion of handball. Uh, the VAR uh, decided that the goal was okay to stand. A lot of VAR um, checks today. And um, obviously, I didn't see the game on TV. So difficult for me at the time to know how close some of those decisions were. But I really did feel today that it impacted the fan experience because um, our second goal uh, was checked for a long period of time. Um, Crystal Palace's goal uh, for a long period of time. And then Arsenal's fourth was checked as well. And so you never really got to celebrate any of those goals in the way that you'd have liked. Uh, sometimes it doesn't matter. Sometimes it adds to the drama. I admit that and acknowledge that. But today, I thought within the stadium anyway, it impacted the fan experience. Um, 10 cup finals to go then. Um, in terms of the, the overall performance today, how would I assess it? I thought it was good. Thought there were a few moments where we looked a little bit shaky, uh, defensively understandable when you don't have your centre back pairing, um, and understandable given the the pace that Crystal Palace have in those wide areas in particular, as they look to break forward whenever they got the opportunity. But the overall performance today for me was positive. Um, I, I wondered if we'd lack energy because of Thursday night. I wondered if we'd start a little bit slow. Don't think we started at our absolute maximum, but I can't sit here and say we started slow. I would sit here and say that actually, um, to Arsenal's credit, they didn't seem to have much of a hangover. They didn't seem to have much of, uh, of a hangover physically or mentally, uh, in truth. They knew what the task was at hand. And although, yes, Manchester City have that game in hand now, to go eight points clear going into the international break, I think is of huge significance. It's not even about the fact that we beat Crystal Palace, obviously you need to do that if you want to win a Premier League title. But it was also as much about the result and the outcome. Um, it was also about putting Thursday to bed. And the only way you put a disappointing defeat to bed or, or push it to the back of your mind, at least for the time being, and to, to be able to push forward, is by righting that wrong as soon as possible. So Arsenal had to go out there today and uh, and get the result. Arsenal had to go out there today and prove that they could get through a Premier League game without William Saliba at the heart of the defence. Arsenal had to go out there today. Martinelli had to go out there today and show that he was able to put Thursday night's disappointments behind him. And, uh, and we did all of those things. We ticked all of those boxes. The atmosphere within the ground, fantastic again. Um, wonderful feeling, wonderful mood. The support was superb. Uh, and that's what you want to see. Is it time to start believing? Well, we're into the last 10 games and you've got to feel like Arsenal have a chance. But there are still a number of fixtures on Arsenal's calendar that I look at and I worry about and I fear. 
know, Liverpool away, Manchester City away, Newcastle away could potentially be tricky. Even a game like Chelsea at home where, you know, okay, they're not having a great season, but you know they have talent, could prove to be tricky too. So, yeah, I mean, it's by no means a foregone conclusion, but we're one step closer. And that's how you got to look at this. You know, Mikel Arteta was asked a lot uh, post-match about the situation that Arsenal find themselves in, the eight-point lead that they managed to establish today. And his response was, it's all about Leeds now. That's our next league game. That's where the focus has got to be. Leeds United win one game at a time, do our bit week in, week out. That's all we can do. And then it's over to you, Manchester City, to do your bit and to keep the pace with us because we lead right now. We lead. We are the ones in the driving seat. Okay, our fixtures on paper are certainly more difficult, but Manchester City have involvement in the Champions League, in the FA Cup still. And so whilst they have more depth, they're going to need to use that depth. And there is a chance that, you know, Pep Guardiola decides to prioritise something or another. There is a chance that they become mentally fatigued. So listen, it's not a foregone conclusion that Manchester City are going to win all of their bloody games. So we've got to bear that in mind as well. But we can't be too obsessed with what Manchester City do. You know, it's, it's all about what we do. We are the ones that are eight points clear. We're the ones in the driving seat. We're the ones who have won six on the spin in the Premier League. And, um, and we're the ones who are having to turn to our squad at the moment but are still managing to get the results that we need. So, uh, yeah, happy, happy days. Right, I told you a lot earlier on in the show uh, that we're going to be giving away a couple of tickets to David Seaman's uh, live show, the David Seaman podcast, Seaman Says, um, and that will be with special guest Ray Parler. I'll just read you through the description of uh, the show. Uh, it is taking place on Monday, 24th of April at the Clapham Grand uh, in London. So if you are interested, that's where it is. Uh, Seaman Says is the weekly podcast from England and Arsenal legend David Seaman. It's doing its first live show in front of an audience at London's Clapham Grand on Monday, the 24th of April. The show will include an interview with David, who will discuss his illustrious career in football from his days as an apprentice at Leeds through to lifting the FA Cup as Arsenal captain and becoming one of the most capped players in England history having represented his country at iconic tournaments, including Euro 96. There'll be a Q&A. Um, there will be uh, audience participation in the podcast. There'll be prize giveaways throughout. And Ray Parler will be joining David as a special guest. Uh, tickets for Seaman Says, if you want to buy tickets, are available now from www.seamansays.co.uk slash live. Uh, the podcast is produced by Listening Dog Media. Um, and uh, in order to enter this competition, what you need to do is you need to follow the podcast, Seaman Says. Let me just share this on the screen so you can be clear and you can see it. So the handle that you need to follow uh, on Twitter uh, is, of course, Siemens, at Seaman Podcast. I beg your pardon, muddle out my words. The podcast is called Seaman Says. You need to follow at Seaman Podcast on uh, Twitter. You need to follow at Listening Dog UK, uh, who are the producers of this podcast. And you need to then leave a comment um, either underneath the post that we're going to put out on Twitter a little bit later on this evening 
or underneath this YouTube video saying done. And you need to make sure uh, that you um, you are following those two accounts. So at Seaman Podcast and at Listening Dog UK, because we will be checking before contacting whoever it is that comes out as the winner on this one. A pair of tickets up for grabs for free, courtesy of the lovely people over at the Seaman Says Podcast. A massive thanks uh, to them for thinking of us. Um, so, yeah, get involved and um, and we'll be sure uh, to announce a winner of that competition tomorrow. Fancy it? Get involved. Alternatively, if you uh, don't feel like you're going to win or you don't win and you find out you haven't won after tomorrow, uh, you'll be able to buy tickets, of course, on that link that I explained. So, Seaman, um, what was the link again? I'm all over the place today. Uh, the link was seamansays.co.uk slash live. There you go. We got there in the end. <laughs> so a great day all round for the Gunners. Um, we're going to do a QA and a uh, Tuesday. Um, I said I was going to take a little bit of a break for the international break. I will, uh, but it will be after Tuesday. Um, so, um, yeah, we'll get this out today, tonight. Um, really positive mood at the moment, given where Arsenal are. And uh, and we'll be back on Tuesday for a Q&A session uh, about the season so far, where we're at. Maybe we'll do a little bit of a reflection. Uh, but we are going to just drop the frequency of the podcast uh, throughout the duration of the international break, just because I'm absolutely dead uh, and I need it. And I feel like I'm not producing the best podcasts I can because of it. Um, I'm a bit worried about a little bit of burnout going into the final weeks of the season. Um, as you know, I was away at the weekend working. I arrived back at London Luton Airport uh, this morning, headed straight home from the airport, um, literally had a quick cup of coffee, dropped my bags off and got in the car to go down to Emirates Stadium. So it has been a crazy weekend. I had to get up at four o'clock in the morning this morning to make my flight as well. Uh, so a little bit low on sleep once again, uh, but it was a good day at Emirates Stadium. Rob Holding came into the side just for a little recap uh, on what we've discussed and did well on the day, but still isn't the solution uh, against bigger and better opposition. Uh, that's my opinion on Rob Holding. Uh, good to see Gabby Jesus get another 25 minutes under his belt, but Kaio Saka with another brace proving his worth. Gabriel Martinelli putting his Europa League disappointment to one side. The Emirates rocking, bouncing again, and Arsenal eight points clear at the top of the Premier League, going into the international break. Couldn't have asked for much more. We're back on it. We're back on track. Leads to come next. Enjoy the break, guys. Enjoy a period without the stresses of Arsenal Football Club. Take it easy. Um, do something special. Uh, do something relaxing. Go fishing. Whatever it is uh, you want to do, just make sure you're relaxed. Because I tell you what, stress levels... And anxiety levels are going to be up here uh, going into the last sort of 10 or so weeks of the season. So, uh, yeah, look after yourself because uh, we're all going to need it. It's going to be an emotional roller coaster. Will there be more ups? Will there be more downs? That remains to be seen. But Arsenal are in a cracking position. I thought the performance today was very, very good. Um, I mentioned some of the individuals, mentioned some of the key moments as well. Um, the other bit that really tickled me today that I really enjoyed actually was uh, was uh, the Arsenal fans singing for Patrick Vieira uh, every time Crystal Palace conceded a goal. Patrick Vieira, who was, of course, sacked by them 
on Friday, on St. Patrick's Day uh, of all days, despite having them in 12th position in the league. I mean, what the Palace really expect? Um, I don't know. But anyway, that's what happens when you sack our boy. We've got your back, Patrick. Don't worry. Um, thank you all so, so much, as always, for tuning in. Really, really do uh, appreciate it. Thanks for all your well wishes. Uh, we will be bringing you a podcast on Tuesday, as I say, doing a bit of a Q&A and a look back um, at our season so far. Maybe a bit of a look ahead as well. Uh, but after that show on Tuesday, I am going to take a few days out. Um, so just as a forewarning for those of you that have made this show a part of your routine, I'm so grateful for that. Um, I wouldn't take the break if I didn't need it, but I really do feel like I need it. And um, yeah, as, as a lot of you say in the chat, got to look after yourself uh, as well a little bit. Love my job, not moaning about it. But when you're working for multiple people, it can become um a little bit hectic and and that's the point it's got to now and i i don't want to burn out i don't want to not do things to the level that they should be done at uh so a short break is uh, much needed but thank you all for your understanding remember to enter the competition uh for the seaman says tickets you need to uh visit the seaman says podcast on twitter at seaman podcast you need to give it a follow and you also need to follow at listening dog uk uh, if you want to buy tickets, you can find them at seamansays.com slash live. But hold fire, enter the competition because you might be a lucky winner and you might end up with a pair for free. Winner to be announced tomorrow on Monday via our social media. So follow us at Chronicles underscore AFC and I'll see you all soon. All the best. Goodbye. Have a great Sunday evening. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon.